Episode 158, Fractured Skulls, Terminator Trials alongside Monoxide. It is Sunday, September 10th, 2023, one day uh, prior to 9-11. And of course, just this past Thursday, NFL season has officially begun. How are you doing this fine evening, sir? Tired. Very tired. tired. Yeah, I'm tired of bullshit. I'm tired of all this bullshit. But yes, it is the day before 9-11, 22 years to the day. God damn, it doesn't feel that way. I, I still remember that day vividly. Yeah, I remember being taken out of school. I had no idea what was happening. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm off of school. I was in third grade when this happened. Funny you say that, yeah, because a lot of kids got taken out of my class. And I remember specifically my mom worked right across the street when it all happened. Saw the whole entire, well, I shouldn't say saw the whole entire thing, but she she got out of the city before one of the buildings fell. But she witnessed the plane hit the second tower. She heard the first one, but didn't think anything. She thought it was like a garbage truck. And then she saw the building and then was looking outside while on the phone with my dad. And then as soon as the second plane hit the second building, she just freaked out and said, I gotta go. I gotta go and threw the phone down. Boss went on the intercom, said, everybody get out. Um, that same boss had a car, got her and a couple of employees, got out of there before the one of the buildings fell down. And uh, I was in class. I remember all these kids were leaving. Uh, one kid in particular left crying because her dad was working at the Trade Center at the time. But the major crazy thing was, was that he was always on time, every single day. Never had a tardy for being late, except for that day. He just happened to be running late. And sure enough, by the time he even got into that area, the building had already been hit. So everybody in that department ended up safe. But unfortunately, lost 3,000 lives due to that day. Yeah, it's crazy stuff, but, um, yeah, I remember, I think I was, like, the first kid taken out of my classroom uh, when my mother came to pick me up. Were you living in Jersey at that point? Yes. I was living in Hackensack. Yeah, so you weren't that far. I was living in the same town that I've been living in my whole life. Yeah, and I was in class. I do remember the second plane I want to say the second plane flew over our school because I remember there was a plane that flew over that was a little bit too low and then sometime later two cops came into our room and said that the trade center has been hit as soon as I got home I was on the phone with my grandmother we were talking for like an hour and uh, yeah the next day we didn't go to school just went to the park and uh, quite funny how that incident was, what, 22 years ago? And maybe it's because I'm a kid. I don't remember anything that deep. But I remember when that incident happened, we all like got together as Americans and supported each other, regardless of Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green, D, whatever the fuck, uh, he, she, it, shit, whatever you were. But if that incident were to happen today, you know how divided we would be? Oh my God! You would have Republicans going off saying we we gotta we gotta start shooting missiles at people 
who, who caused this. Then you got the liberals who will start saying, well, this is our fault. We should take responsibility. And then a big fight would ensue. One well, nation under God, if you believe in that. But, well, keep this in mind, too. There wasn't a Twitter or Facebook at that time. Yeah, no social media, yeah. Yeah, nothing to really speak of. I'm, I'm trying to remember when MySpace first started. It might have been 2003. But yeah, that was before those days. And yeah. I remember SmackDown. I don't remember SmackDown airing in my area. It was just, it was just non-stop 9-11 stuff. But then I remember something. What was the SmackDown episode where Stephanie McMahon compared 9-11 to all the slander that her father got during the steroid scandal? <laughs> like, yeah, that's like super comparable. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's, that's and, what I think of when I think of a, a major natural disaster. And I do remember Vince did cut a, a very passionate promo, which at the time was harmless. But if you look back on it, it was so stupid. Because he was talking about how, like, the WWE is going to continue on and per- persevere and, and showing, I don't know. It's Vince McMahon. Hope to this country. Yeah. <laughs> we had Hulk Hogan. <laughs> if Hulk Hogan was still on top, I mean, come on, remember Sergeant Slaughter? They were going to attack the building and Hulk Hogan came to save the day. Such good shit. It's crazy. I, I can't remember what I did, what happened the next day after I got taken out of school. It was just such a long time ago. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll always remember that day. That's basically the modernized version of where were you when JFK was shot? Yeah, I've had teachers that grew up during that time period that would tell me the the day that JFK got shot, everybody just left their classroom in silence because it was just, at that point we've had four presidents assassinated. I think uh, we had him. James A. Garfield, William McKinley, and, of course, Abraham Lincoln. But JFK was during the period where everybody had TVs in their home. And on top of it, his death is actually caught on footage. Yeah. Um, There was, I think, an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan, I want to say. Yes. Okay. I think that's the same guy that was stalking Jodie Foster that was attempting I could be wrong. And it's quite funny because to this day, I'm shocked. Like, I was shocked that Obama didn't get an assassination attempt on him because I figured there'd be some crazy Southerner that would have been so mad that a black man became president. And yeah, you have those. And then I'm even more shocked that (laughs) Orange Man, Donald Trump, didn't get us. That's, that's the one that shocked me more than Obama is that Trump didn't nobody didn't go after Trump. Crap, people yeah. like lost their minds when he won that election. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite funny to look back at now. Well, here's the thing. The people that lost their minds on Trump, those types of people, they're a bunch of pussies anyway. They wouldn't do anything. They'll just whine and bitch on Twitter. Yeah. The ones that hated Obama, like you got the ones that are vocal and just sound ridiculous, but then you got the ones that are just like completely insane. Um, But yeah, I am shocked that that never happened. Joe Biden, I don't think it was. I think Uh, they're they're just, uh, you know, (laughs) his health will kill him. Yeah, natural causes will get him before his first run is even over. (laughs) Unbelievable. But yes, 20. Two years later. 
and counting, man. That's saying a lot that we're still talking about this event to this day. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But we got a lot to talk about in this episode. We got some new stories. We're going to get started. Let's check, check it, it out. out. All right, first things first. We mentioned the writer's strike we are talking about in our last episode. It seems that the morning daytime show, the Drew Barrymore Show, is set to return despite having no writers due to the studio's refusal to pay them fairly. What does that mean, studio's refusal to pay them fairly? Because the way that's worded, it makes it seem like the studio knows that they aren't going to pay them fairly. They're just going to flat out refuse to do it. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird how it's worded. It may sound like they were never paying them fairly to begin with. And they acknowledge it, and they're still not going to do it. And they're still not going to do it. <laughs> I, the wording is just interesting. But that being said, we've talked about this at length on previous shows, and we don't know where we stand because obviously we don't feel bad for the woke writers that are losing their jobs or not getting paid diddly squat. But did we talk about I, I don't know if you have this part of our discussion did we talk about Snow White and the possibility of it not being released in theaters yeah we talked about that on our last episode but I want to but, but we'll, we'll get back to that in a bit because there's another uh, thing that's happening or it's another rumor but uh, I was trying to figure out where do they film uh, the Drew Barrymore show because I know Ella DeGeneres that was filmed in uh, Warner Brothers I think studio number one which they have dubbed the Ellen studio I'm not, uh, it says it's being distributed through CBS Media Ventures. I'm not, I'm still not entirely sure where they shoot the show, which lot they're doing it on. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure how this is going to work without writers. I guess they're just going to, all right, we'll do this, we'll talk about this and that, and then that's that, I guess. Yeah, I can't really say for certain because I never watched it. I didn't even really recognize that Drew Barrymore had her own show. Like, it, what is it? Like, the Carol Burnett show, or... Well, I think it's more like Ellen show, or uh, Kelly Clarkson. I, I don't know. I don't think she has her daytime Wait. talk show anymore. Kelly Clarkson had one? Yeah, but then hers got canceled because she uh, said something against, I guess, the Illuminati. Oh, oh, th those people. The ones that, that hibernate in some weird uh, place that determines whether you'll be famous or not. Yeah, you heard you, you heard about that incident that happened with her and Kevin Hart? I did not. Uh, I'll give you a quick rundown. She had Kevin Hart on her show. They're talk, you know, they're just talking and talking, and then she's and then uh, she mentioned, you know, there was this one time they they were paying me millions of dollars to do this certain thing, and I didn't want to do it because it was like cause it just felt so weird. And while she's talking, Kevin Hart is putting his finger over his mouth, like to tell her to shh. And and then she stopped talking. She's like, what? She's like, he's basically saying, you know, you're not supposed to talk about that. You're not supposed to say that on the air. Basically, Kelly uh, said it was saying things she shouldn't be saying. Oh, or she'd be killed. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah, something like that. You could say that. Well, well yeah, because most people will tell you that the Illuminati killed uh, Tupac and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, and And you hear it in songs all the time. Uh, like, what, what's that famous rap lyric? Uh, Illuminati, uh, Illuminati, want my mind, soul, and my body. Secret society trying to keep their eye on me. 
forget what song that is, but that's a famous lyric. And then, um, yeah, th- th- there's all these uh, little rumors like Michael Jackson refused to adhere to the Illuminati, so therefore that's how he became uh, completely pale in his later years, lost all of his skin pigmentation, and then was framed as a pedophile even up until the day he died. Well, once he died, the, all that kind of stuff just kind of died down. Because before he died, he was a laughing stock, but the second he died, he was pretty much put on the pedestal yeah, as a legend. Stop with the MJ jokes. You may hear one here and there, but not as much as when he was still alive. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And, and it's crazy because I remember a couple months prior, uh, Angry Video Game Nerd released his review of uh, Michael Jackson Moonwalker. So it was literally like three, maybe three, four months before he died. And and what made it crazier was that he was in the middle of his This Is It tour, which is kind of a shame, because imagine what that tour would have been like had he survived and was able to go through with it. Yeah. But I think we're going a little bit off track here, back to uh, the writer strike and Drew Barrymore and... Uh, I don't know. Uh, He's not entirely sure how many writers you need for a daytime talk show. I mean, I can understand for late night shows like Jimmy Fallon, because I'm pretty sure they all do like sketches in yes. between interviews. So I can understand you need writers for that. And plus, they also tell jokes. And Jimmy Fallon doesn't look like the kind of guy who would write his own jokes. In fact, he's even admitted, like, I need writers because I'm not really good at this. <laughs> well, Jimmy Fallon. Um, his issue is that he just laughs a lot. He, Jimmy Fallon's biggest issue is he cannot go through a whole sketch without fucking breaking character and laughing. That this man had one line in the cowbell sketch. One yep, always bring this up. <laughs> and he still couldn't spit that one line out without bursting out laughing. Now, I will say this about Jimmy Fallon. I will say this. And it may be completely irrelevant to you and to the audience, but it's relevant to me. His fucking Ben and Jerry's flavor ice cream is fucking awesome. So, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's a winner in my book. I, I But the flip side is, Jimmy Fallon, I think, uh, this was around the time that Donald Trump was first running. He had Donald Trump on his show. And of course, the world community got on his case and he had to make an apology because he's in bed with all these liberals so it's like yeah, dude a late night whole star well yeah Colbert Colbert uh, Kimmel Oliver yeah they all are Trevor Noah but the thing is is that uh, Jimmy Fallon from uh, yeah Jimmy Kimmel the difference is is that with Jimmy Fallon I don't really see a lot of political undertones in his material Unlike the others, like his show doesn't really have any politics. The other guys are political: John Oliver, Stephen Colbert, Trevor Noah, etc. Jimmy Fallon, I don't really see. Like, yeah, he leans left. I mean, if you're working for Ben and Jerry's, you're definitely leaning left because it is a Ben and Jerry have been known to be bleeding heart liberals for years. But he's never really gone out of his way to be like. Yeah, pro Joe Biden or fuck Trump. He's never really been that way. He's just, what's the word I'm looking for? He's kind of like being pressured into that whole scenario and he's just caving in. 
That could be it. I mean, I know he has a podcast now with the Strike Him. Actually, all the late night host guys have a podcast yeah. together. I think it's called Strike Force Five or something. Yeah, I remember Steven Crowder making no, not Steven Crowder, Ben Shapiro making mention of it. And the the little snippet I saw was like, ooh, yeah. I, I can't judge from one snippet, but I haven't seen or heard any snippets of it, so maybe it's for the best. Yeah, I, I, I prefer listening to Conan O'Brien. He doesn't really, at least he hasn't, from my recollection, leaned any way, left or right. Yeah. Um, Which I do miss. I do miss him bringing Bill Burr on and them, because they had great chemistry, those two. And it's just funny how they, they go off on each other. Not go off, but like the way they, they bounce off of each other is just really great. But yeah, the writer strike. Uh, just, how long is this? been going on now all summer seems like at this i think it started in may sometime in early may and what was the trigger point was there like a final nail in the coffin for these writers that just said fuck this we're done um i don't i don't know if it was the whole ai thing maybe well yeah because there's apps on phones now where it's chat ai and literally i i used it for a bit because there was a period i thought it was interesting as you guys all know, one of my biggest fandoms is Harry Potter. I use these things to create Harry Potter characters and create my own fandom. These fucking things, while not perfect, can get the job done in giving you ideas to write down. So, in essence, you don't even have to be creative. You just gotta come up with, like, in my case, give me two Harry Potter characters and how, and, and, create an alternate universe that's deviated away from the story of Harry Potter, but they share the same timeline. And this fucking thing will just spit out information. It's really scary. Yeah, it is scary. I mean, there are also a lot of AI apps that do like drawings of like fantasy characters. It's like, well, you could just use these. You don't even have to hire uh, a real artist to do these drawings for you. Yeah. It's getting to a point now where it's like, do we really need writers? It, it, it's in that same vein of what did we talk about when uh, Destiny Rose baby cut that promo about how uh, somebody who worked at a job for 30 years and then you're getting replaced by a computer baby. That's firstly what's happening. Yeah, this is like that Twilight, a classic Twilight Zone episode. This company was firing all their hard workers and replacing them with robots and AIs. And at the end of the episode, the boss got replaced by an AI. And it's like robots are now running this entire company. And that's how the episode ended. It's Skynet. Yeah, it. There's a video game called Detroit Become Human. It's a very interesting game. It's based off of the Heavy Rain gameplay, where any alteration in what you do can alter the story. And the whole entire premise of the game is it's set in the future, where cyborgs are now like a common thing that you can pick up at any store or whatever. And they're usually used as, like, maids or butlers, I guess you can call it, like, service people. And you play the role of three different cyborgs. You play one who is a cyborg but works for the police to capture either cyborgs that have gone mental or just getting uh, bad guys. So it's kind of... Uh, I'll get back to him in a second. 
Then you've got a female cyborg that uh, saved a child from an abusive father, so now they're trying to find shelter. And then the third one is a guy that, unfortunately, uh, was working for a nice man, but his son was a drug addict. He accidentally kills him. He runs away. And then all the other cyborgs that ran away to this weird island, they now want to create like a rebellion where they want cyborgs to be treated the same as humans. And from him, you can choose whether to be a peaceful rebellion or a, a violent rebellion where you're going to just smash everything like like a riot. Matter of fact, that that guy that I'm talking about is played by Jesse Williams. You may know him from a couple of things. Um, yeah. Actually, he was in one movie that I hope to that we can do one day is Cabin in the Woods. But um, yeah, suffice to say, it's we're getting into that realm now. You're not even going to need butlers. You'll have like robots that'll serve you. Yeah, that's the future we're heading soon. We're gonna, cars going to drive by itself. They're going to be flying in the air. They're going to be is, society. But then what does it mean for currency? I don't know. Obviously, the whole point of jobs is so that you give back to the community and you get paid so you could be able to afford your amenities. But what is it going to be when a company doesn't need you anymore? I haven't. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I feel, feel for these writers. I'm talking the quality writers, not these woke writers. Yeah. <laughs> you can go back to whatever freaking, I don't know, uh, Twitter forum you came from. Well, heading to our next story, The Haunted Mansion. You remember that movie that got released over the summer that I guess everyone forgot about? It's going to be releasing on Disney Plus on October 4th. Damn, that was fast. But yeah, that was the one that was based on the ride, right? Yeah. They had the 2003 film with Eddie Murphy. And then now we had another one that came out this year for some reason. Uh, I, everyone, including my grandmother, knew this was going to flop. And it did. And now it's being so dropped on the app. So what was first of all, is this a remake or a sequel? Uh remake. And what was I never saw the trailer. Not in full, at least not with my undivided attention. I'd seen it in passing on TV, but what is so wretched about it? Is it I'm assuming it's not woke, it's just fucking terrible. Yeah, it's I I see I haven't heard anyone talk about it. It's just it's just that the interest just wasn't there. Well, yeah, Who, who's clamoring for this? Yeah, a, a man on a budget of $150 million plus, and only brought back barely, barely past $100 million mark worldwide. Yeah, that's a flop. Yeah. Disney needs to get their shit together, man. They yeah. are really slipping. Yeah, it has an all-star cast. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jerry Jarrett Leto. Yeah, but this this goes back to a discussion that we had many episodes ago where some dude was making an argument about, oh, there's no movie stars anymore. Well, all those names you just gave are movie stars, and they couldn't draw interest into this fucking movie. Maybe it's not the movie star that's the issue. Maybe it's the concept of the movie itself that's the issue because who the hell wants to see a remake of a movie that came out in this modern day in this millennium the 21st century based on a ride that really never needed to be made in the first place well i guess there must have been a huge audience that disney thought was out there that was clamoring for a haunted mansion movie 
Probably the same audience I won in Indiana Jones 5. Yeah. Here's the thing. The the one time I remember it did succeed was Pirates of the Caribbean technically was a ride before it was a movie. Mm-hmm. Now, the success of it is because I went on Pirates of the Caribbean in California in 2012. And I will fully admit that while I was on this ride and I saw the pirates on the ship, I literally had to do a couple of like squints, squints, paladors, and look at all these pirates to say to myself, are these real people or are these animatronics? It was really impressive. Now, keep in mind, this is 2012. This is years after you got Jack Sparrow already. So they, at this point, they've installed a couple of Jack Sparrow animatronics. But prior to that, obviously, it was just pirates. I would presume that the gimmick being so realistic would cause them to make a movie. And sure enough, when you've got somebody as talented as Johnny Depp playing the role and a concept like Pirates of the Caribbean, it's going to work well. The thing is, with Haunted Mansion, you already had that with Eddie Murphy. And there was no, like you said, there's not a clamoring of, oh, we need to have a new Haunted Mansion. Like, Haunted Mansion, I've been on that ride, too. It's a fun little ride. Yeah, I think it actually came out the same year as the first Pirates movie. Yeah. So that was the year of Disney rides becoming feature films. And how well did the Eddie Murphy one do? Uh, not too sure. Let me look it up. But we all know that, of course, the Pirates was a huge hit. Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow character became iconic to the point. I'm pretty sure his character alone helped boost the popularity of the ride. Which is probably why the movies were made to begin with. Just to promote the ride, really. Yeah. Which has happened. I mean, look, some marketing employees are genius. Well, has anybody seen The Wizard with uh, Fred Savage? And uh, Christian Slater. This movie is literally about two brothers who want to go to California for some odd reason. I forget what the reason was. Something to do with their dead mother. But in the meantime, the little brother is like really good at video games. He scored 50,000 points in Double Dragon and all he did was watch the opening scene in the game. Quite funny. But they end up going to Universal in California to participate in a tournament. And this whole time, we're thinking, oh, it's a, it's a little charming movie. Come to find out, the whole thing was a marketing ploy for fucking Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> Nintendo, you sneaky peats. You sneaky bastards. Uh, the original Haunted Mansion, Eddie Murphy, budget $90 million. It brought back 182 worldwide. Moderate. So it did, yeah, it did. It was a moderate success. It gained a cult following over the years, which probably tickled Disney, I guess, to do a remake or a reboot. And it was a reboot they've been planning since July of 2010. So what delayed it? Uh, let's see. They wanted uh, Guillermo del Toro as a writer-producer. Uh, they wanted Ryan Gosling. So it seemed like it was just bouncing to different people over the years. Del Toro's also development back in 2010. I guess he dropped out. Ryan Gosling entered negotiations to start back in April of 2015. Uh, so they hired some producer in September 2016. And I, I guess it's just one of those, I guess, developmental, develop, what they call developmental hell. Yeah. So in August 2020, it was announced that writer Katie could write the new screenplay and this other people would produce. I guess that's how they got, they finally got the ball rolling. Okay. But I know, it, making a movie, it does take time. It takes years, depending, you know, who's, who you're getting to attach to it. 
So this was basically like a 13-year project. Or a 10-year project, but had, I guess depending when they started shooting. And to think that 13 years it amounted to this. Yep. So, yep. So if any, anyone wants to check it out, April, uh, October 4th, Disney+. Plus. Uh, I don't think I have any interest. Yeah, none for me neither. But let's talk about a film that, that is doing very well. Oppenheimer is less than 10 million away from grossing 900 million worldwide. And that is an R-rated movie, which is really quite unheard of. The R-rated films are generating this much money. And there's um, a chance that this could become a billion-dollar film. Yeah, this was Christopher Nolan's. This might be Christopher Nolan's... Well, hold up, he did do the Batman films. Um, this might be Christopher Nolan's biggest film that's not Batman-related. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was his first film uh, under Universal. And I'm, I know Universal is very happy. Uh, yeah, I would presume they're happier than pigs and shit. Uh, and, and again, Universal moderately woke but they're not fucking like in your face with it no but not this is pretty big for universal they have this and they got a super mario brothers yeah that's true too and um aren't they no i think that was sony the ones that are involved with the spider-man movies the no way home yeah that's sony okay but yeah I mean, either way, yeah, the Mario Brothers film really helped them. And, yeah, now it makes sense with the... Because the partnership between Nintendo and Universal was finalized, like, sometime in 2017. Because I, I remember there was that discussion about... Um, there was a discussion about how Nintendo would be applied to Universal. And we were all, like, wondering if, if it's going to be ride-related or all that. And if it wasn't, like... It would be a complete disappointment and a complete waste of time if all it is is just a section with a bunch of kiosks with Nintendo Switches and Wii U's where you play games. It needs to have rides. Yeah, and what's a better way to promote a ride? A movie! (laughs) It's a Disney format, basically. And on top of it, one of the rides is based off of Mario Kart. So, there you have it. Yep, and now I hear that they're going to be developing a Star Fox movie, and it seems like, uh, rumor has it, Chris Hemsworth going to be uh, possibly the voice for Fox, for Mr. Fox McCloud. So, that's an interesting one, because, like, Fox McCloud, or, or the Star Fox series, there's not that many games. No. There's one for Super Nintendo, there's one for N64, and then there's one for the Wii U. That's it. There was a second Star Fox that didn't get released for the Super Nintendo that ended up getting released for the SNES Classic. But that's it. After over a 20 to 30 year period, only four games. Yeah, and I guess not counting his appearances in the Super Smash Brothers games, but that's not a, that's not a Star Fox game. That's more of a... Uh, I'm not really sure who would... It's yeah, that, that, that's, just an all, that's just an all-star game. An all-star bundle game, because by that logic, Captain Falcon, he's in those games, and and he's the head guy for F-Zero, which is a racing game for Nintendo, and the last F-Zero game that was released was in 2004. Yeah. We haven't seen an F-Zero game since. Mm-hmm. So, it, it is interesting that the next franchise they decide to tackle is Star Fox. I would have thought, like, Kirby... 
Yeah, but, but at least that's one that's being in development right now. Um, of course, I think we heard we talked about Legend of Zelda. So it's very, it's, I don't know, so right now it's still up in the air which character is going to get the next feature film. I'm pretty sure they're, they're already going to do a sequel for Super Mario Brothers. Maybe Diacon gets his own spinoff movie. You mentioned Kirby, we already talked about Star Fox. Um, maybe uh, sometime in the future we'll get a Metroid movie. Metroid uh, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, because right now the interest is there. Yeah, 100%. But you got to keep that charm because this, this is what made the Mario Brothers movie. It had that charm of that Mario s thing, <laughs> unlike the early '90s version. Yeah, have you seen the new Mario movie yet? I still have not. I'll be honest. I, I would I would recommend it. I thought I thought it was a fun movie. So uh, Chris Pratt did not deviate too much away. From he did the- not. The trailers made him look a lot worse than he actually did. I. He was. At, he actually did a solid job. I I gotta apologize to Pratt. And I, I, I kind of made me. I don't know. I don't know what the hell. The trailers made him look so much worse than he actually was in the movie. Because the movie, he was not distractingly bad. I thought he was fine. Still not Charles uh, Martinet. Charles, and he does make his camera. You, he's right to be. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you once you see the the guy, like, oh shit, that's Charles. Yeah. I'm going to be surprised if they did use Charles to dub some of the wahoos during the movie scenes, during the, yeah. the climax scenes. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it, but I want to watch it with life. I don't want to watch it on my own. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are a lot of Easter eggs, too. You're like, oh, shit, yeah, you know, fun stuff to point out. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to watch it for sure. Well, I was going to mention Sean Levy, but you really you're not too familiar with him. He is a producer for Stranger Things, but. He's going to be possibly directing... Uh, he's directing Deadpool 3. He's done some good work in the past. I just mentioned Stranger Things. And looks like he may possibly be directing the next Avengers movie. There's another Avengers movie coming out? Well, we're supposed to be building up to one. Well, yeah, that's going to be the big crossover. But this Avengers Secret Wars, we've seen how bad everything is now with the strike. Everything's postponed. Marvel is firing writers. But... <laughs> Yeah, because I'm about to say, dude, I thought Endgame would have been it. That was that was the footnote. Uh, that should have been it, but you know, when you, when the studio loves making a lot of money, they keep it going. That's like that's like the end of that saga. Here comes the next saga, the next set of superheroes, She-Hulk, and all these other people. And you know, can't wait for that. Yeah, didn't She-Hulk get canceled? Uh, supposedly now there's a rumor that it might come back for a second season. I don't. Know. I still think it's gonna be canceled. It was very poorly received by practically everyone. Yeah. Especially with She-Hulk twerking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she's so strong and empowering. Yeah, nothing is more empowering than twerking. Yeah. With Cardi B. Mm Mm-hmm. Talking about that WAP. Yeah. That's very awe-inspiring, yeah. Make sure, and, and, and because of that, let's have her uh, host the Kids' Choice Awards at this point. <laughs> Doesn't Kim Kardashian show up at the Kids' Choice Awards? I don't know. I haven't kept up with it that years. I've outgrown the Kids' Choice Awards. So have I, but it's just the idea. I'm going to look it up now. Kim Kardashian, kids. I mean, if they still do them, I'll probably watch like a YouTube poop. Oh, remember that? There's a little throwback. 
a YouTube poop of the Kids' yeah, Choice? Yeah, this year she appeared at the 2021 Kids' Choice Awards amid uh, Yee and her divorce with him. So let's get this straight, ladies and gentlemen. Kim Kardashian is at the Kids' Choice Awards. Do I have to remind all of you how she got famous in the first place? Trust me, it wasn't her fucking lawyer dad that saved O.J. Simpson. Because no. after that, they would have faded into obscurity. No, Kim Kardashian did another special thing. Let's just say it was full-on adult material. It was the same well, thing that I mean, got... I, I want my kids watching. Hmm. It also got Paris Hilton famous. Yeah. It worked for some people. It's Well, it's not so much that it, it makes them famous that's the issue. It's that these people are being promoted to kids. As in, hey, if you do this, you could become famous like them. You're basically telling young girls at a young age, create a sex film. Because we're not talking about somebody who's just famous. She's fucking ridiculously famous. And wealthy, and rich, and, and powerful. Mm-hmm. Whole family. Yeah. And they came out with a TV show that possibly, I mean, they, they changed, I, I feel like, the feminist culture. Them and whatever Desperate Housewives shows. I mean, that, that attracted so many female viewers. But yet, the WNBA can't. No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they get paid way more than any female athletes. Way more! Uh, yeah, I would presume so, but... Unfortunately, rightfully so, they get the viewership. Yeah, because they have the numbers to back it up. Unlike the WNBA or any females, any anything female sports related. With the exception of maybe like Serena Williams, that's really it. Or at one time Ronda Rousey. But that's that. I have one more news story. This was the one I was going. I mean, go uh, heading in before we start recording, and here it is. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zasloff says Warner Brothers IP, including DC, Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter, have been underused. We haven't done anything with Harry Potter for more than a decade. We haven't done anything with Lord of the Rings. What does that mean? What are you trying to say, David? We need more? And what do you mean we haven't done anything with Harry Potter? We just released a fucking video game. We released Hogwarts Legacy. That adds more to the story. What are you talking about? Lord of the Rings I can't speak to, but... Harry Potter? You... You're really gonna make an argument for that? Now, we did cover that they were doing a Harry Potter TV series for Max. I remember we talked about this. Right. I'm not sure what the status is on that, since I'm pretty sure everything's on hold because of the strike. I'm pretty sure... I understand every time a CEO enters a movie studio, they want to leave their mark. They want to leave a leg. They want to leave something that people are going to talk about. I remember I um, there is a documentary on HBO Max. I think it's called like 100 Years of Warner. It's like a four-part uh, hour-long series just covering their entire history. And every CEO that has come into the company usually left some kind of mark on the filming. Not just for the uh, studio, but for the entire film industry. Whether it be bringing in filmmakers like Stanley Kubrick, George Lucas, or whatever. And I'm pretty sure David Zaslov is trying to find his moment. What's What, what are people going to remember me by? What's going to be my legacy? And right now, he's kind of struggling. It's not entirely his fault. 
but he's he's trying he's because he still figured it out maybe he wants to do more content i mean we got that lord of the rings series on amazon right now the rings of power i hate to even call it lord of the rings because it's not rings of power and we we talked about it. it's like the most expensive tv show ever produced and nobody is talking about it and if they are they're talking about it for all the wrong reasons i'm pretty sure that's not the legacy he wants to leave behind and i don't know how much control he had over that since movie rights and tv rights are kind of different and since Amazon owns the TV rights, so I guess that falls on them. And it's a pretty shitty legacy. No one's seen how that first season came out. So I'm guessing Zaslav is trying to leave his legacy. D- DC's a mess right now. Okay, he's put James Gunn ahead of the DC franchise. Who knows how that's going to turn out? I don't see it working out too well, but that's just my opinion. Um, so that's DC. We already talked about Lord of the Rings. Where does that leave Harry Potter? We talked about the TV series. I'm pretty sure they're probably going to remake everything. Maybe each season is going to be based off of a book. I, I don't know how they're going to do this. Because the movies are have left such a cultural impact on society, really all over the globe. It's going to be very hard to duplicate that. It's going to be very hard to try to replace that, which I don't think they want to do. But they're going to try to recapture that same magic that the movie franchise left. Good luck! Yeah, because... In the end, those movies still hold up today. Like, you can watch them and be in awe at how beautiful those movies appear. So it's like, why are we going to redo them? And and it's not even like Disney's got a hold of it and can turn them into a woke thing. Because this is J.K. Rowling's baby. And J.K. Rowling isn't woke, as we've well established. I don't know, like, what her input is. As far as like when a studio gets a hold of her, her baby and says, we want to do this. I don't know if she's like going in there and saying, uh, no, you're going to do it this way or this way. Or if she just doesn't give a shit, she's just going to get paid either way. But in the end, the movies themselves still hold up. There's no real reason to be doing them because the last one came out, what, 2011? It's only been 12 years since the last one. I can understand remaking them maybe 30 years later. But even then, you get that crowd, probably myself included, that would be like, why? You don't need to remake these. These are, like, the greatest films. Yeah, you can still continue making merch off of those movies. People are still going to buy them. It's created a whole universe. It's kind of like, again, I'll, I'll go back to this example trying to remake the star wars films the original three and even the prequels why would you do that they're they're films that hold up on their own you don't need to remake them it's at this point harry potter has become its own universe to where the only thing that people will want as far as new harry potter stuff is just new things whether it be prequels or sequels I mean, Just, I mean, the only new things we got from Harry Potter, I guess, was those Fantastic Beast movies. And those are prequels, yes. Those are prequels. And, they are nothing like that. They don't. I mean, they don't even hold the candle of the Harry Potter movies. I mean, they're they're really just there, and that's it. No, but because part of the problem is, here's the thing: Star Wars, in of itself, in the name. You can put anybody there because it's called Star Wars. What do you call a Harry Potter film? Because Harry Potter is based on a specific person. 
And of course, Harry Potter is a boy. He's not a an immortal character. So it's when you create a, a franchise that's based off of that universe, can't call it Harry Potter, especially if he's not involved. So in this case, we have Fantastic Beasts because it's not Harry Potter. This is based before that. And then the game that came out is called Hogwarts Legacy because it's supposed to take place 100 years prior to the events of Harry Potter joining Hogwarts. So you call it Hogwarts Legacy. So I think that's where their dilemma is. It's because it, the, the franchise in and of itself is named after a specific character. It's not like Star Wars is named Luke Skywalker. So you kind of limit yourself in, in titles. So that could have been, there could have been a loss in translation there when it came to Fantastic Beasts and why they had no uh, impact compared to Harry Potter. Plus, it's just the idea, you know, we mentioned, oh, when movie franchises always try to work backwards, it's always, I wouldn't even say 50-50, it's more like 90-10. Nine times out of 10, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, and, the I mean, last, and the last one was a flop, so now it's like we're back to the drawing board again. It's clearly nobody really cares for these Fantastic Beast movies, not even the diehards. I have, I'll admit, I have not seen it. But if I'm correct, does any of them take place at Hogwarts? Um, they take place, I think, in like the 19... During like the Roaring Twenties, I want to say. Okay. So, so this is like almost like a century before the first film. Do they take place at Hogwarts? I think so. I, I, I know they take place in London. Well, London don't mean anything. Like at least with Hogwarts Legacy, it takes place in the familiar areas. Hogsmeade, Hogwarts, and you have some familiar names. Like most of the names are, are unique because again, it takes place in the late 1800s, but you have a couple of Weasleys in there. So obviously they're descendants of, or previous descendants of Ron Weasley. So you've got that. And I think there's supposed to be a, a descendant of Salazar Slytherin and, and Voldemort in the game. I forget which character that is, but again it's at least taking a familiarity in the harry potter franchise that made it special i don't know if fantastic Beasts. i do want to watch them because i did hear from co-workers they did like the the films but as you said the last film just didn't do yeah. well for some reason yeah i don't know if that had anything to do with johnny depp being replaced because this was of course in the middle of its freaking scandal with amber heard or maybe just the movie just wasn't that good. I don't. I don't know because I never seen any of the Fantastic Beast movies. Could have been. I still want to watch them. But 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 I feel like you know the last Harry Potter film, like the entire story has been told. It's complete. That's it. It's done. You know, well, yeah. you guys, they made a lot of money, and now you just spend the next fifty years just making merchandise. Well, maybe build more rides. You can expand on the universe because they have Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which was a book. It's supposed to take place 20 years after uh, the events of Deathly Hollow. So Harry Potter now is an adult. His kid is now in Hogwarts and this and the other. Again, you could still expand. It, it, Star Wars kind of expands too, like with novels and stuff. They do have books that expand on different time periods. Same with games. So... As long as you expand the universe, I think people will always be hungry. Just don't deviate too far away from what makes it special. I won't be surprised if they take that last Harry Potter book that came out and try to make three movies out of that one book. Possible. 
I think it became a play, so. I think that'd be terrible that they, they try to make three movies out of it, because now you really got to drag this out. Because I just yeah. feel like doing that, you're going to make a lot of filler, you know, just to try to get that runtime in. Right, yeah. That's happened with The Hobbit. The Hobbit movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, they look, they own a lot of stuff. I mean, when it comes to their IPs, I mean, they, they got Game of Thrones now with House of the Dragon that they're doing. It's doing pretty well. Uh, that was a pretty good first season. Um, let's see. Outside of that, let's see. There's the Looney Tunes. I mean, what can you do with them? Uh, those are really only the other popular IPs I know of that they own. And unless they get this DC thing going, I mean, who the fuck knows? I don't know, man. But that's that's what Dave's, David Zaslov is trying to figure out now. Mm, good luck to him. What's going to be their next big thing? Do they do it? Do they go back to what made them a lot of money, trying to make more money off of that dry cow, or do they try something new? Good luck to them. I don't know. Well, that's something for them to figure out. Well, before we get to our film, I just forgot about this one. It just popped up to me now. That '70s star show, Danny Masterson. You've been a bad boy. Thirty years. In prison. Yeah. Allegations. I don't know. I don't know where I because this uh, alleged incident that he was convicted of happened 20 years ago. Yeah, I have not. There was, there was a clip I just saw on Twitter when he was on Conan. He was talking about when people would, some girls would play with his balls. And Conan mm-hmm. missed, made a joke that, like, you know, you're going to get caught. Well, he wasn't joking. No, he warned them. I don't know. I, I haven't watched the case. I've seen the victim side of the story. I don't even know exactly the, the circumstances other than this came out like a couple of years ago that he was being uh, chastised for this. Yeah, this is part of the whole Me Too movement. Yeah, and he's convicted and he's going to serve prison time. A lot. I mean, 30 years. That's crazy. It is crazy. I know Ashton Gutcher and uh, Mila Kunis were get got heat on themselves because I think they wrote letters uh, supporting Danny. Because I mean, you know, they've known the guy. I mean, they worked with the guy for so long. Mm-hmm. And they got heat from the internet. You know, you're supporting a rapist, and then they made a public apology video. I guess they didn't realize their letters would go public. I I don't know. And it seems like everyone's at the, on the side of Topher Grace because he's kind of like I guess been the only civil one. I, I don't know. I, I haven't really been keeping up with it either. Uh, but I've, I've just, I've heard about, I mean, we've been hearing about Masterson with these allegations for the past couple of years, and now this has happened. So I guess, uh, I don't think he appeared on that 90s show for Netflix. Uh, I'm pretty sure they name-dropped him. They probably have to come up with some reason that he's not there. But yeah, this this is what's happening. Masterson is done. Yeah, if he is going to serve that whole time, he ain't getting out until he's in his late seventies. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know his bro- his real life brother is Francis from Malcolm in the Middle. I wonder what he thinks of all this. His brother's going to jail. He's gone. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, but that's all the news stories I have. Let's let's we got we got some movies. We got two films to talk about here today. Oh boy. 
First up, we got the sequel to Scorpion's Revenge, Mortal Kombat Legends, Battle of the Realms. Uh, this story takes place on moments after the ending of the first film. The Earth Realm heroes must journey to Outworld and fight the fight for the survival of their homeland, invaded by the forces of evil warlord Shao Kahn. In the tournament to end all tournaments, the final Mortal Kombat. This film came out in 2021, rated R, of course WB Animations, hour 20 minutes, not a long movie. All of our favorite characters return, as long also alongside some new characters, both good and bad. Let's talk about Battle of the Realms. We all knew, based on the ending of Scorpion's Revenge, this was going to be similar to that Immortal Kombat 2. Because Shao Kahn has broken the rules and now has come up with a new platform to go ahead and try and take over Earthrealm because they had failed the first time. Uh, yes, we do uh, have some new characters here. We got Kung Lao. Making his, yeah, my favorite, and we'll get to him. <laughs> and, and Striker also debuts in this film. But um, we also see Jackson Briggs. He's got his arms completely uh, metaled up. I don't think they ever explain how he got his arms all metaled up. But, um, yeah, with um, this movie, we also saw a couple of other additions, such as Kentaro, uh, Devorah, etc. I'm trying to remember how this movie started, because... Well, um, it started with uh, Kung Lao. It seems mm -hmm. like the invasion from uh, Shao Kahn started in the Earth Realm. It seems like they were, like, guarding this uh, castle. And then I guess the the, the tribe wherever Baraka is from is like a whole army of him. And yeah. Then we get okay. this bloodthirsty battle. Yeah, there's like this big ass battle that's going on, and then obviously Raiden intervenes and tries to stop the whole thing from happening. And that's when they come up with a proposal because obviously Shao Kahn's people are there, Kung Lao, Jax, Striker. Johnny Cage, Sony Blade, Liu Kang, all that. <clears throat> They're there to defend the castle, and they come up with a proposal for a final Mortal Kombat. Basically, a winner takes all, and they have to propose it to the Elder Gods. But while all that is going on, uh, Scorpion is still in, I guess he's back in Netherrealm, and obviously reliving the day that Quan Chi, technically, killed his whole entire family, constantly reliving that in Netherrealm. I, Netherrealm is supposed to be like hell, but it's not hell exactly. It's supposed to have elements of um, uh, Mephistopolis, I guess you can call it. And then, while all that's going on, there is a scene with the new Sub-Zero and Smoke. Now, I do have a small gripe with this, but we'll just get into it so obviously smoke and sub-zero are training and sub-zero's got revenge on his mind and so their master calls for them and keep in mind while all this is going on they do make mention of their comrades sector and cyrax being missing they haven't seen them in a while so they go see their master and the master basically says that there's only one of your uh, enemy tribes still around, and that is uh, Scorpion. So, 
the mission is Sub-Zero wants to kill him. Me, the, the leader's like, no, you're not going to kill him. You're going to bring him in alive. And he's mad. And this is where I get a little eh. He said that he killed my brother, Bihan. Now, I may have mentioned this in the last episode or one of the Mortal Kombat episodes. Bihan, Sub-Zero, when he dies, he becomes Smoke. Smoke is standing right next to him, and they're trying to treat Smoke like he's a different individual. So it's clear as day that these guys are just doing their own thing, in a way. Not everything here is completely coincides with the games, but that's a whole other story. I would have just preferred that Bihan became Smoke, but I digress. So that's when the leader decides to show them the new method of how they're going to capture Scorpion, and they show... Cyrax and Sector, who have now become cyborgs. So now they're cyborgs. They attack uh, Sub-Zero and Smoke because they don't want to conform to this. They capture Smoke and inject his brain, and then he's going to become a cyborg. Anywho, so now Raiden and Shao Kahn go to the Elder Gods to propose this final tournament. Winner takes all. And Shao Kahn, being the dick that he is, he's being fucking passive-aggressive to the Elder Gods, this side the other. And so, Raiden basically proposes one other thing. He's like, I want to compete in this tournament. And they said, you do know that you're going to have to give up your immortality. And he's like, I understand. I'll do this. Gives up his immortality. Then you got Scorpion in the Nether Realm, who is now introduced by Shinnok, who was referenced in the first movie by Quan Chi. Shinnok's obvious goal is to get all the Kami Dogo. Another gripe with this one. He wants to get all the Kami Dogo so he can become this powerful being. And when I was watching this movie, when they brought this up, I'm like, oh yeah, this was in Mortal Kombat Deception. But in Mortal Kombat Deception, the story is is that there was a kid by the name of Shujinko who's told by this one elder god to collect all the Kami Dogu. Now keep in mind, he was a kid at the time when he was proposed. It's like maybe 13, 14. He doesn't find all the Kami Dogu until he's like in his mid-70s. And when he finds the final one, and Scorpion, conveniently enough, is the one that's trying to stop him from uh, initiating all the Kami Dogu, he beats Scorpion in the fight. And then the, the elder god that had been trapped, or the dragon that had been trapped, Onaga, appears. And says that I was the one that played the elder god. Basically tricking Shujinko all this time. 60 years in the making, tricked him. Into thinking that he was an elder god looking for the, the goodness of the world. And then he goes out and kills the Deadly Alliance, Raiden, and all these people. Now this powerful being, even more powerful than Shao Kahn is fucking taking over the world, and now Shujinko, who fucked it all up, is trying to rectify it. Kami Dogu here does not play that role for Unaga, but that's a whole nother story. So, the tournament has been proposed. Raiden comes back, he basically proposes the tournament to everybody, and uh, they go off, and before they go off into the, uh, the outworld, Scorpion's hiding behind, they have a conversation, about the key that he's got and once again it goes back to the whole everybody's got a choice there's always another choice so raiden goes off into the tournament so 
Now we get the tournament itself. I'm trying to remember all the fights. Let's see. Johnny Cage faced DeVore and got his ass whooped. Johnny Cage is like the, the comic relief of this whole movie. Uh, who did I, I know Stryker got killed. Stryker gets killed by Shang Tsung, which was like, okay, if you're going to kill Stryker, whatever, fine. Why don't you have to kill Kung Lao? <laughs> Kung Lao gets beat by Sha uh, Shao Kahn. I guess he got beat by Shao Kahn, but still, why are you going to kill him? <sighs> Unbelievable. Jax destroyed Kentaro. So the first movie, Scorpion's Revenge, does the right thing, treats Goro like a fucking beast. Here, they treat Kentaro, who's a beast in the fucking second Mortal Kombat movie, like a complete second-rate joke. Uh, who else fought in this? Sonya, I think, fought Devorah, and she beat her. Um, i trying to remember all the fights in general. But, yeah, there was a bunch of fights. There's, there's a point where Sub-Zero and Scorpion uh, interact with each other, and... They try to fight each other, but Scorpion's like, yo, we've got a, a common enemy, and that's the, the robots. If they get a hold of the uh, the key, they're going to open this realm, and, and Shinnok is going to destroy all the whole entire existence as we speak. Because all the realms will merge, and everything will completely evaporate. And so now Sub-Zero's got to fight within himself to be like, do I work with the guy that killed my brother? So... Obviously, we get to the final fight, which is uh, Liu Kang and Shao Kahn. Not really much to say other than that Liu Kang does persevere and wins. Oh, and I also forgot to mention that Raiden does get beat in battle. Uh, One thing that Raiden does that we've always complained when it came to the movies that he finally did it here, and I counted. He did what the hell? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, he first beat Reiko, and then he gets beat by Shao Kahn. I've got to mention, Stryker did win a fight. He beat um, Brock, I believe. Okay. So, yeah, Liu Kang beats Shao Kahn. But meanwhile, all that's going on. The robots were able to get the key, give it to Shinnok. Shinnok's got all the Kamidogu. And now he turns into, like, this, this weird being. This gigantic being. Starts destroying stuff, and then Liu Kang realizes that message that Raiden gave him in the first movie, which was, your destiny was never to beat Goro, it was to beat Shao Kahn. Beat Shao Kahn, now he's got to beat Shinnok to save the Earth Realm. And, um, there's a point where Johnny Cage actually saves Sonya again, after, uh, she's about to be attacked by one of the Barakas. So once again, the straight white male saves the damsel in distress, I guess you can call it. And uh, Liu Kang becomes this big dragon, beats Shinnok after uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero intervene and help him out in the long run. Yep, as uh, Liu Kang releases inner animality, I think that's what they call and, it. Yes, his inner animality, and every the whole realms are saved. Sonya Blade ends up with Johnny Cage, she finally makes out with him, they become a thing. Jax is Jax. Uh, Liu Kang, he hooked up with Katana. We've got to talk about her. She yeah. did, um, I guess, in a way, protest or rebel against her stepfathers. She didn't want to fight Raiden. Right, because her mother's supposed to be Sindel. They, the, the, they were part of Adenia. 
And her mother was killed by Shao Kahn's people and Outworld overtook Edenia. And so she became basically Shao Kahn's bitch. And I think it's in the third game that's when her mother, Sindel, is brought back to life to become evil. An evil. Yeah, see uh, that in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, not done, but it was done. <laughs> but yes, that was uh, Battle of the Realms. I mean, it. I'm conflicted because it still had that same enjoyment that the first film did with all the violence and stuff and all the cool things. But you know me. There's a lot of those things that I'm like, yeah, you could have taken that from the game, put it in here, and it would have worked. Instead, you did your own thing, and it wasn't as good. Because, of course, they killed Kung Lao. <laughs> you hate <laughs> I hate how they killed I mean, I'll give them this. They let Johnny Cage live. In the early days, Johnny Cage always died, but now he's living in almost every aspect of every game, which, thankful enough, cool. But they killed Kung Lao, they, they redid the Kamidogu thing, and it wasn't as interesting. And the fact that this little tidbit that was in the games that when you find out, when you read it, because obviously the games weren't as in-depth, you have to write, read them in magazines, to find out that the original Sub-Zero became Smoke. It's such a cool tidbit that they could have put in this movie, and instead they just made Smoke a whole different person. So, how did the original Sub-Zero die? By Scorpion. Scorpion killed him. In the first movie? In the first movie, yeah. Scorpion kills him, but in the game, too. But I thought it was all that was done by um, this guy, Quan Chi. So, Quan Chi, when he did the Sub-Zero thing... He was disguised as him, but when Scorpion went to fight Sub-Zero in the preceding future, he tackled him and they went through like a fucking pole or like one of those little spikes. And then Quan Chi came up and said to him, after he already killed Sub-Zero, gotcha, I killed gotcha. you. Gotcha. Okay, I understand now. Okay, okay. Now, now it makes sense. Now, I'm not sure if it's exactly like that in the game, but I know for a fact, for the first three games, it was always indicated that Sub-Zero killed Scorpion's family and Scorpion came out for revenge. It wasn't until MK4, or Mythologies, I can't remember which one, when Quan Chi was introduced, that he revealed to be the one that killed Scorpion's family for real. Okay. So that that is still there. And again, Scorpion's revenge wasn't 100% accurate. But everything they put in there that they replaced was fine. I was fine with Goro not losing technically in a fight. He just got killed because somebody came in and did a sneak attack. That's fine. I can live with that. I can even live with the fact that it wasn't a final battle between Liu Kang and Shang Tsung because it already alluded to a sequel at the end of the film. I just didn't like Battle Realms with some of the stuff that they implemented was not as good. Mm -hmm. But it's that same vibe from the first film all that animation all those nice little uh jump cuts of people's uh, insides getting completely eviscerated from uh, punches and kicks so you're still gonna get that you're still gonna get that goodness the movie still it doesn't flow as well as the first film in my opinion but it does flow fine because it's not long yeah i think i think that's probably my takeaway with this one is that it's too short I feel like because there was a lot here that they could have fleshed out more. How Jax got his arms. Um, yeah, they never explained that. Yeah, I did like that Liu Kang got the final fight. Like, he was able to be, defeat Shang Tsung, and he defeated uh, 
Did he defeat Shao Kahn too? Yeah, he defeated Shao Kahn. And he defeated Kanan. Damn, that's three in a row right there. Shinnok, yeah. Shinnok. Yeah. He, um, well, yeah, because he's supposed to be the protector of Earthrealm. He's like, he is the chosen one. Mm hmm. So, yeah, it should be Liu Kang being the savior. And it shows in the next film we're about to review, but. So, overall, what, where are your thumbs with, with Battle of the Realms? It was good. Not as good as Scorpion's Revenge. I thought Scorpion's Revenge was a very fun film. That's a film I probably could watch a lot and not get bored with. This one was fine. It had some elements. It kind of, Even with it being short, it kind of dragged a little in certain areas. But it still had that same uh, fighting charm that the first one did. Same gore, this, that, and the other. But it was, it was good. Yeah, I, I like seeing Sub-Zero and Scorpion team up in the end. Yeah. So I always like seeing those two together. Um, oh, yeah, I would say it was good. Now, I think I'll take Scorpion's Revenge, the first one, slightly over this. But I, I, still, I still enjoyed it. But, um, but yeah, that's that. Um, I recommend it. Um, as I mentioned, this is on HBO Max right now, uh, for those that want to check it out. Uh, before we get to our third film, uh, Snowblind... Uh, I forgot to mention during news stories. I'll bring it up now. Uh, we saw the trailer for the next Mortal Kombat Legends film, uh, Cage Match. It's supposed to be a prequel film. Looks like it's taking place in the 80s, starring Johnny Cage. And one of the voice actors that are, that's in this film is Gilbert Gottfried. I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of his final acting uh, gigs he did before, he, um, before his sudden death. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the Cage Match trailer? It looked to be interesting, but it looks like um, Ashra, Johnny Cage are the only, and Raiden are the only characters. There may have been one other. Because like you said, it's a prequel. But then this prequel will kind of make the first movie nonsensical. Because in the first movie, a lot of what Johnny Cage is seeing, he thinks it's all like fake because he's a realist. He lives in the real world, I guess, and thinks that. Uh, all the stuff that he's seeing is just like practical effects, but yet all that same shit that he saw in Scorpion's Revenge, he's seeing here 20 years prior. So I am interested to see this because it's got Ashra, and Ashra is like not a character that's used all that often. She was in Deception, that was her debut. Obviously, she was in Armageddon because in Armageddon, that was all the characters that had debuted or made an appearance up to that point. And she is finally reappearing in Mortal Kombat 1. Why are they calling it 1? Don't know. But she's reappearing in 1. She's one of the few characters that came in the 3D era that is reappearing. Because we haven't seen Kai. We haven't seen Jarek. We're definitely not going to see Su Hao. Um, we haven't seen Onaga. We haven't seen some of those characters in the new rebooted series since Mortal Kombat 9 so be interesting yeah it's supposed to be releasing October sometime mid to late October on Blu-ray and DVD so maybe it'll probably drop on the app probably we'll say November or even December yeah. probably, probably want to get in some DVD sales first before they put it on the app I'm still surprised they make DVDs well, yeah, you still have people that collect them, so... Yeah, I guess. I guess long-term, it's probably best that you have that, because you never know when these apps will just take movies off or re-edit them and do whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, more, that's that. And then we'll get into our second film for the night, our final review, Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind. And a plot for this film, this came out uh, last year, 2022, 80-minute movie. The plot, as Kano and the Black Dragon wreak havoc around the globe, a young warrior named Kenshi will have to rise above his own limitations and take on the looming threat of Outworld. Mm. So, yeah, this takes place way after, like many years after the first... Uh, after, after, the, after Battle of the Realms. Which is quite interesting because Kenshi appears in deception but i'll get to him in a second so anyways you got this town and they got a statue of Liu kang who's like the savior of earthworm so i'm like okay that's interesting but Liu kang's not in this film no a majority of the characters from the first two films are not here i think the only returning character is well there's two returning characters um which we'll get to one of which is sort of sub-zero and Sub-Zero keeps seeing like all these weird images. Now keep in mind, Sub-Zero's an old man now. He's decrepit, this, that, and the other. Mm. But meanwhile, you've got the uh, the Black Dragon clan going around wreaking havoc. You've got Kira, Cobra, uh, Aaron Black, who doesn't have a speaking role. In case you don't know who Aaron Black is, that was the dude with the mask and a cowboy hat that had the gun. Okay. I always I always found him to be a very underrated character in the newer uh, series because he came out much later, but he's always been a favorite of mine. Uh, Tremor, Jarek, uh, Cabal. Yeah. I'm, so, yeah, they're wreaking havoc. And then there was this old man that comes up, and I couldn't tell who it was, and it's revealed that it's actually Shang Tsung. He's become this old, decrepit man who's now, like, literally a slave to this new guy King Kano, who's now a cyborg. I have a problem with this. Okay. Where was it revealed that Kano, who was killed in the first movie, became a freaking robot? Yeah, that's that. I was hoping someone would fill in the blank there for me because I was a little, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I understand decades have gone by. Maybe they're going to make another movie in the future to try to fill in the blanks there, but. Where did all this come from? How did he become a king? How is he, uh, uh, I guess we find out later that he's part robot. But it's uh, I mean, never revealed. Yeah, nothing's ever revealed. It's like, this just happened. Where's yeah. Luke Tang? Where's everybody else? Where, where did everybody go? Where's Raiden? Because in the other uh, moments of the, um, like with Sub-Zero, they do explain his flashbacks. But with Kano, they don't ever explain how he got back to life, who brought him back to life, how he became a robot, how he was able to make Shang Tsung his bitch. Anyways, he's taking over this land, and three of the warriors in particular, Kira, Cobra, and Cabal, I was surprised they brought in Cobra, are just going into the southern place, and then this young warrior wants to have a fight. And I'm looking at him like, hmm... Something was interesting about him. Something familiar. And then he starts going off and kicks their ass. And then it's revealed that that's Kenshi. Kenshi Takahashi. But I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. Kenshi's blind. Because in the games, it's revealed he's a blind man. That's when I thought, okay, I'm assuming this movie's going to 
deviate or, or show how he becomes blind. I'm assuming he's not always this way. Either it's going to be revealed here or in the next film. Well, sure enough, he beats them up. They come back because he kicks their ass. And one of the villagers is like, yo, they're going to come back and they're going to fuck everybody up. And that's virtually what happens. They come back with Tremor, who's like, the Tremor here is nowhere near what he looks like in the video games. They treat him like he's like a, a, a side or like a step below the main boss, but he's not that way in the games from what I remember. So anyways, Tremor comes in, they fuck him up. It's that and the other. And then Shang Tsung tries to play this like innocent guy that's trying to get back at King Kano and tells Kenshi, yo, we can fight him off. They go into a room, a big green glow like hits him in the eyes and that's where Kenshi loses his sight, pretty much. Yeah, they go to like some cave up in the mountains. It was really basically a trap just so Shang Tsung could get his powers back because as well, I guess, was uh, trapping all these souls. And since Shang Tsung collects souls, that's how he gets his power. Yeah. So anyways, uh, he gets blinded. Shang Tsung's now in his youthful form. Shang Tsung comes back to King Kano and decides that he's going to fight him and take his soul. But when he tries to take his soul, King Kano reveals, I don't have a soul. So King Kano basically kills Shang Tsung. Mm. So now, Sub-Zero, or whatever his name is, we'll just call him Sub-Zero for the easy sake of it. Earlier in the film, it was he's shown as an old man where he, he can't really do much, but Kenshi can already tell that he was part of a Lin Kuei it's any other so he kind of develops a small bond with him so the sub-zero guy brings him into his cabin and basically says here i will teach you how to live and throughout the whole movie this is kind of like a mickey goldmill rocky situation where the old man is doing everything in his power to teach kenji how he can fight with his limitations of sight and he basically gives him the message that can't is the worst word for you. It is poisonous. Never use the word can't. So, without going into too much details, there's points where Kenshi is about to give up. He's about to surrender. He's going to kill himself. But then, with all the motivations, he finally is able to develop the will to be able to fight without his sight. Blind Fury. Blind Fury. Sub-Zero then reveals that the reason he's old and decrepit and doesn't want to use his moves is because back in the day, there were these zombie merchants that came to destroy the whole Lin Kuei area. There wasn't enough. So he used this magical power to destroy everything. He lost control and ended up freezing everyone. All of his comrades. He was the only one left. So he decided, I'm never going to do this again. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Sub-Zero now lives in a farm, oh, uh, miles away from society. He's just living on his own, grows his plants, his fruits, his crops, and then brings his, you know, whatever he grows to this small town. And so... The life he lives. And at night, he has his nightmares of the flashbacks of what he did to this town. What you just talked about. It's time to fight the clan, but Sub-Zero doesn't want to do it. 
He's like, you're on your own. And then that's when Kenshi throws it back at him. Like, never say can't. That's poisonous, this, that, and the other. At some point, Sub-Zero lights his whole farm on fire to signify he's going to fight. But it's also a signal to Scorpion to come back so that they can fight the clan. So, eventually, yeah, that's the rest of the movie is the Kenshi, Sub-Zero, Scorpion, and all of them. I forget if there was anybody else. But Not yeah. Just three. yeah, so they go in, they fight the clan, they eliminate each one one by one. Uh Kenshi eventually ends up defeating Tremor. And then uh Sub Zero has the big battle with King Kano and in some sort of time warp. This is where sort of how they explain maybe how Kano was able to be revitalized. Yeah, he used it to create an alternative timeline in which he unleashed a revenant infestation in order to gain his immense power. Right. But in order for that to be explained, they have to explain how Kano was brought back, which they never did. So, it still doesn't make any sense. But anyways, fight happens, Sub-Zero wins, defeats him, all's well in the world, the end. Oh, I didn't hate this. Yeah, um, at the end, Sub-Zero had to uh, depart to the Nether Realm because he made it almost like a deal with the devil, I guess, sir, to be wherever to use his powers again. This would be his consequence. Right. And then at the end of the film, you know, Kenshi goes his goes his way, but Sub-Zero had to go to the Nether Realm with Scorpion, and then that, yeah, that's how it ends. Yeah. And that's... Kenshi is now the new protector of the Earth Realm. Yeah, he's the one that's going to protect Earthrealm. So, yeah, um, this was fine. It still featured a shitload of Mortal Kombat characters. Again, my major gripe is no explanation on how Kano was brought back to life. If they would have just, like, thrown that a little bit of tidbit to explain how he was thrown back into the mix, I think I would have liked this a little better. That's the only thing that's hindering this for me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, about to take a guess. Maybe Shang Tsung got power to the hourglass, and maybe he wanted to use Kano for whatever, and then Kano somehow got control and made Shang Tsung his bitch, and then. I don't know. Who the hell knows? But I, um, I guess out of the three, I mean, I didn't hate any of the movies. I will probably say this is the weakest. Possibly, but I did like the story of Kenshi and how he was able to be a fighter as a blind man because I knew in the games he's supposed to be blind. Yes, and when I did research on Kenshi, this was actually exactly how it went down. You know, Shang Tsung used him for his own good and he ended up being ended up losing his sight. Because yeah. of oh, I say Shang, I met Shang Tsung. Yeah. Yeah, you said you you were right. Um I said Shang Chi. I so I thought I said. <laughs> different character anyways point is is that yeah Kenshi is a blind man and I did like the background story to how they did this it was it was fine mm-hmm. so I couldn't hate it entirely it's just the Kano background that was just a little bit off-putting not giving any sort of like why of all the main villains I know you got rid of um, Shao Kahn and, and uh, Goro but you couldn't think of anybody better than Kano this is the main villain, like, eh, it is what it is. Yeah, it was what it was. Um, very fun fight scenes, just as gory as the previous two films. So, yeah. I, mean, I still recommend it for any... I think this is a film I think 
Mortal Kombat fans, the diehards will really enjoy. I think they will enjoy a lot more than just a casual fan. Yeah, I think a casual just kind of just which for a casual fan, I think it should just kind of be like a one and done type movie. Like, yeah, I seen it, you know, it was whatever. But I think an MK fan would get get a lot more out of this. I think for all three movies than just a yeah. regular casual viewer. These, these films were fun. These films were very fun. So I have no major complaints. These mm-hmm. definitely are not going to hit the bottom ten unless every film we do from here on out is like quality. Like Godfather, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe if every film's going to be like the next film discussion we're going to be doing, we're getting to it. The time has come. Bride yes. of the Killer Pinata. You have no idea how much I've waited for this moment. <laughs> I I can't wait. Thank you, Angry Mule Productions. And I know damn well they're going to be listening to that review because, <laughs> my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, didn't you like our post for the, the first review? And they liked my post when I uh, went to Universal with the Killer Pinata shirt. Yes, they did. And, uh, well, I guess you get that shirt's going to be coming back again for this next review. Oh, yes. It's going to be fun. Well, stay tuned for that, fans. But for the time being, we do recommend, I'm pretty sure you do as well, we recommend all the Mortal Kombat Legend films currently streaming right now on HBO Max. And I'm pretty sure very soon we're going to be reviewing a Cage Match. Yeah, I'll definitely take a look at that. So, uh, any any final words before we close this one? Um, a lot of gore, a lot of violence. This is what MK should be, despite our minor criticisms. This is how Mortal Kombat should be: violence, cool kills, and uh, yeah, our characters persevering. At least Johnny Cage survived. Yeah, Johnny Cage survived. <laughs> yes, thank and God. Now he's getting his own movie. Well, yeah, I guess because now they've revealed that Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade are lovers. They kind of have to keep them alive. Yeah. Matter fact, and matter of fact, in the games, the current games, Sonya's the one that had to die. Hmm. Yeah, so Johnny Cage is the one that's alive, and they have a daughter together who now is a fighter. There you go. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder how, I'm pretty sure they're going to eventually adopt that into one to their Legends franchise as well. So, so, so far, I'm a fan of these films. I'm a fan of this particularly animated franchise and see where they go next. We got Cage Match, but after that, i like to see, you know, what happens next with the uh, series, with the fighters. I'm pretty sure there's still a lot more characters that they could bring in that they haven't introduced yet. Yeah, they didn't talk about Onaga. They haven't talked about um, Ermac, Rain. Uh, what are the characters? They did talk about Striker, uh and you know, if they were to make a Mortal Kombat mythology Sub-Zero type prequel film, I'd be open to that too. Hmm. And yeah, I guess you can go that route. I'm trying to think, is there any other... Oh, Shiva, they didn't bring her in. Oh yeah, no Shiva, yeah, yeah. They haven't done any Shiva material. Um, Maybe do something with Katana, I don't know. Melina, we haven't... I don't think I saw Melina yet. No, no Melina. No Sindel? Sindel, no. We did kind of see Motaro, but... Eh. Yeah. 
Maybe they could do something with Jax. Maybe he could have a little thing. Him and Sonya work together or something. 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 Maybe we'll eventually get Ninja Reptile. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this episode of Fractured Skulls. From Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Get over here! Fatality. Oh, yeah, that's right. Luke King did do those kicks as well. Glad they kept that in there. Yes. And I'm still waiting for the uh, the, the, the pit where somebody gets uppercut into the pit and you hear, oh, well.